Okay. Yeah. We're back. Hello. The, there was a, there, we weren't on last week because uh, Arrow fucking ended. And uh, Arrow show creator uh, Max, uh, Max Gutterling? Max, I, I'll that come one. up with more names later when he does the episode, when he directs an episode and we're going to pretend we have no idea who he is. We'll have more jokes for it then. Anyway, it's over. We lived. Um, but the real opening is that I was thinking a lot about, um, you know, we were talking a lot about the what we were going to call the opening of this episode, and then we were sort of like, should we make some really hard? Should we make some kind of LA Noir reference? And then I was thinking about LA Noir, and then I googled because I was curious. I was like, are LA Noir? And Red Dead Redemption and GTA all in the same universe. And some people are like, yes. And some people are like, no. But then people who are like, well, they reference LA and New York in the Red Dead Redemption franchise. And they're in GTA, they're called San Andreas and Liberty City. And I'm like, what is it like having the smallest fucking brain a person can have? I mean, yeah. What is that like? But also, guys. Literally all you could say is like, Oh, they changed it in the 90s. That's it. I just fixed it. Like, I just... Guys. But then, but then as I was thinking about how all these universes are interconnected, I started thinking about... Uh, I started having horrible, horrible thoughts about how... You know how there's that Spider-Man video game Easter egg? In the Red Dead Redemption universe? And uh, then I was like... Yeah. No. Oh, wait, in the Spider-Man play in the Spider-Man PlayStation game, one of the sort of side quests you get is to stop the oh, protagonist. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I thought I I misunderstood you. Like you 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 cut out. But no, that makes sense. Um, right, because I was with you while you were playing it, and I went, wait, is this supposed to be like a? And I've never fucking played the games, but I was like, this feels weirdly specific in a way where I'm like, this is a reference to something. And and it was. And it was. But then I was like, wait a second. Does that mean? Because the Spider-Man PlayStation game is very much, like, not just a sort of isolated Spider-Man film. It's got, you know, all your favorites are there. You get, you take photos of the Wakanda Embassy. You take photos of Alias Detective Agency. The Avengers Tower is literally there, and you can go stand on it and take selfies. Which is, I guess, the experience. That's an ex- This appeals to me personally, I guess. I feel seen. But then I was like, wait, does that mean that... <laughs> Does that mean that all of these games have now somehow accidentally taken place in the Marvel universe? Like, is John Marston a Marvel character? And if so, does that make the man in the top hat Stan Lee? Um, I feel like we're anyway. Then I had an aneurysm in I the show. Here's the thing: is I've 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 told you my fucking I've told you my Grand Theft Auto stories. Like we've established that I don't like yeah. trust. Or am good at these games. I, I I can't do them. I've never been able to do them. I avoid them whenever possible. I don't know anything about them outside of like things I gleaned from occasionally reading a game or webcomic in 2006. But I do always kind of find... Ooh, that's not a sentence I like hearing. Okay, okay, listen. Okay, okay. I will state, now that I've said this for the record, I only... I only I only regularly read VG Cats because that was the one that had like cartoon cats in it. So like I was I was like thirteen. Is there a VG Cats reference in Yu-Gi-Oh! The Abridged series? 
Yes, there is. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't like, I don't like being forcibly punted back to 2007. That seems mean. That seems unfair to me. Um, <laughs> Jesus. But um, yeah, that one. It was I'm pretty sure really Little like, Karibo did make. They were the creator's cats. And I'm like, that's really sweet to like make a comic about like your cats, but also like in maybe the worst way possible. I'm going to make my cats gamers. Like, <laughs> it's so fucking bad. But I didn't do the rest of them. I had some friends who read, I mean, 8-Bit Theater doesn't quite count, but, like, I'd never read 8-Bit Theater. I didn't have the fucking patience for Sprite comics. Um, They weren't very good. When asked the appropriate distance to stand when viewing his magnum opus, Red Dead Redemption, Rockstar Studios famously said, what? Fuck well, you! Me from but um, apparently the head writer, one of like the higher up guys, like at Rockstar, whose name I don't fucking remember. Hold on, let me look it up so we can have this for for. I don't, I don't want to think about people at Rockstar Studios having names because they yeah, make their devs work one hundred hour weeks. And so... Listen, this is gonna bother me if I don't, you know. Um, okay, please, please go ahead. Uh, hold on, sorry. Oh, uh, Dan Hauser. So Dan Hauser is the guy that was, like, basically responsible for a lot of, like, that kind of so random humor in some of the earlier Rockstar games, apparently. Um, again, this is just from me reading. Is he the one who made the Statue of Liberty look like Hillary Clinton? Was that Probably. Him? Is he proud? I don't know. I mean, listen, I will, like, you know, at three o'clock in the morning when I perched above his headboard, I guess, I think we will find an answer to this question. <laughs> Until then, uh, yeah, I, More like, creators I, have to start leaving their doors open so we can get into their home. <laughs> listen, you guys have to start leaving your doors open so I can climb in through the window and perch on your headboard like a fucking gargoyle, and, um, we lost a train of thought here. Like Greg Wiseman's gargoyle. Anyway, that I gargoyles wasn't good. I guess we should start the episode. What? Fuck you. Really? I mean, I've actually I don't even recall if I've ever seen gargoyles. I just hate Greg Wiseman and his work. Shows in the Disney animated canon. You can't just come out here with like the worst fucking TV opinion and then expect people to take our podcast seriously. Oh my god. Okay, first of all, I don't think that's the worst possible TV opinion. Okay, yeah, no, that's fair. I'll give you that one. But like, Jesus. It's not like I'm an Elicity or something. Well, okay, fair enough. You're, you're acting like I. You're... Well, like, no, because no, Gargoyles, and this is coming. I mean, listen, the first season is super tight, super well paced, really, really good um has a lot of really fun mythology references while also making up a lot of stuff that's like really fun and also doing it with like celtic and 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 scottish myths so it's not like it doesn't really get weird and racist so it's like it's it's fine they're just like you know anglo-saxon cultures there's less of an issue of white people appropriating those quote unquote um the second season kind of Still had a lot of fun, but you started to get like the set. The first season is 24 episodes and the second season is, I believe, 59. If that gives you an idea of like, okay, they really decompressed the second half of the series. And then the third one is largely considered non-canon and not very good. Uh, Greg Wiseman stopped working on it after like the first two episodes. um, And it was sort of semi a spinoff. 
Um, so Greg Wiseman later made comics set in the Gargoyles universe that basically completely retconned the third season. Um, that I comment the comics I've not been able to track down. I am going to read them at some point. But the first season is really tight. The second season, there's a little more fluff. It's a little less tight, but it's still an enjoyable series of events. Like it's still a lot of cool stuff happens. All right. Nobody wants Greg Wiseman to be talented. More no, than I, I mean, listen, and I don't, I don't like, it's that weird thing where it's like, no, I hate like young justice was bad. And I actually, he, you know, he, he, even at his best, he has these kind of problems with decompression and dropping the ball at the end of stuff. But one, that second mm-hmm. thing is a problem with a lot of my favorite authors um, and creators. And two, Listen, I'm not saying he makes things that are good now, but I'm saying some of the most fun and interesting stuff that I watched when I was younger was, like, his stuff. Like, Witch and Gargoyles were the only things of his that I, like, cape for. And even then, they both have that thing where they start off super strong, they present a lot of really interesting ideas and great and dynamic characters, and then go on just a little too long and start focusing on the characters you really don't want to interact with, so, or are just less interested in. So, you know, not perfect, but that's actually a perfect tra- that's actually a perfect transition into this week's episode yeah, of Legends like, of Tomorrow. All right. This week's episode of Legends of Tomorrow, which we called uh, Waiting for Maisie in the Rain in the Rain, <laughs> Waiting for Maisie in the Rain, which is just like, hey, come home. As someone as someone who interacts with Thank Cecil you. Baldwin more than never, the idea that he could accidentally hear this ever is so frightening to me, even more so than someone who works for Legends hearing it, because, like, this is his job, and again, I'm way more likely to see Cecil Baldwin in person than I am to see Phil Klemmer. Yeah. I'm like, how would I even begin? And, like, he's not even directly involved in this, but I'm like, how would I even begin to apologize to him for ruining podcasts as a medium? Yeah, no, I don't don't like that. Don't, 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 that's a threat. I think that legally counts as a threat. I don't want to think about that. Um... I fear. Um, and the reason we titled it Waiting for Maisie in the Rain in the Rain, Waiting for Maisie in the Rain, and you have to say the whole title or my dad will get very mad at you at Trivia Night. Jeez! Oh my god, the Doctor Strange love thing! Whereas, like, yes, I know that's the real title, but that's so much effort. Jesus, that's so um, much. And I like saying it sometimes to be a pedant, and I still think it's too much effort. Like, shut the fuck up, Stanley. Um, it's just, it's, it was, it was a Kubrick film? Who's Stanley? Is my dad Stanley? Am I Stanley? Oh, Stanley Kubrick. It was a Kubrick The guy film. who made Doctor Yes, it was Doctor Strangelove. Doctor yeah. Strangelove is a Kubrick film. We put down Doctor Strangelove and your dad got huffy because he said, oh, well, the full title is Doctor Strangelove, How I Stopped Worrying and or How I Stopped Worrying and Learned to Love the Bomb. And we were like, that is so many goddamn words. There's not enough words on this fucking trivia night card. I would also like to mention that we came in like, a little over halfway through the game and still got like third place because no we got we got so many points that if we had been there through the beginning of the thing we would have won because our points halfway through doubled was far more than what anyone else had but sometimes life isn't fair no but it was very funny ain't that just the way it was very funny of wow you guys people in massachusetts don't watch tv huh or movies you just guys guys, i'm gonna assume that they just kind of stare endlessly at the sea because that seems like a massachusetts thing 
all they do, they can't do anything until Big Poppy tells them to. And so that can make things very difficult because Big Poppy might be out there living his own life. He's very <laughs> busy. Like, he oh, can't fuck. be in charge of every single Massachusetts person's daily schedule. And then he's like, oh, fuck, I have to issue general orders to the people of Massachusetts. <laughs> Godzilla, the next Godzilla film is just going to be like all the monsters in Boston and like Big Poppy, who is their king. And that's the only way we will continue to let you play baseball. At Fenway Stadium, the greatest park in the world, with Big Poppy, America's hero. <laughs> Do you remember when he got shot and they were like, this is worse than with JFK? And it was like, I th- here's the difference between JFK getting shot and Big Poppy getting shot, is only one of those people walked away from getting shot. What they the were like, fuck? Big Poppy was non-lethally shot, and the entirety of Boston was like, not even Boston, but New England, because you have to remember they only have their Boston sports teams. So the entirety of them were like, I personally will find the person responsible for the, like the Boston police department wanted to go to the Dominican Republic to fix this. And I'm like, (laughs) you don't even remotely have the jurisdiction to do that. It's not how that works. In fact, it was so fucking better. It's so good. It's so much worse. I wouldn't trust. I would not trust a Boston police officer to find my fucking car keys. I wouldn't trust any cop to do anything other than like I wouldn't trust a Boston police officer. I wouldn't trust a Boston police officer to find his own asshole. Like, let's very stage. (laughs) Two hands and a map, as they say. Anyway, that also kind of I we're really avoiding talking about this episode because it was kind of it wasn't bad. Because like when Legends is bad, it's very bad. bad. It was just kind of... Yeah, that's the thing. It's not one of those episodes where we're like, fuck this. I was supposed to snore and I forgot how. That was supposed to be a snoring noise. It was like, yeah, we were... We were talking about it afterwards and I was like, this is all so... All of it feels really stupid and pointless. Like, we're killing time and, like, nothing... I'm not interested in the people we're focusing on. And wasn't the whole point of the season supposed to be, like, hell? And then you were like, yeah, but Maisie's gone, so they can't really do anything until Maisie gets back. And I was like, oh, okay, that's my problem. That's what now, it is. Now, first of all, I want to say that Maisie Richardson Sellers could never and has never done anything wrong in her life. Um, oh, and I think the absolute power move of Phil being like, yeah, Charlie's going to be one of the main focuses this season. And for her to then be like, yeah, that's great. I have a movie I'm shooting. So you're going to have to do the first two episodes. Without me. Is absolutely I mean, the, it biggest, is genuinely, the biggest dick energy anybody could have. It's very good. And that's the thing is like she uh, like and they did wait. And that's like that shows how I mean, like, yes, Tala uh, also fantastic actress easily you know, one of the other real major highlights of the show. And she was doing a whole lot this episode, but overall, like Maisie has so much energy and carries so much, like she carries so many character dynamics on her tiny skinny shoulders. And I've missed them. And it's only been two episodes. I mean, like, here's the thing. And here's what I'll say about that, especially is like, it's kind of a problem that it's not really a problem. Here's the thing is I, we have so much shit to do this weekend that I'm trying to be as concise and intelligent with this episode as possible. So I can just slap a fucking uh, noise guard on it to take out the sound of our heavy breathing and put it on the fucking internet. 
that is the goal. Am I breathing that heavy? Oh god. No, it's it's always me. It's always me because because like all you're Jews, fine. I have a deviated septum. Um. Oh, I, you're fine. I've literally never noticed that. I think I think you might just be a little too critical of yourself. That's and that's noises. possible. Anyway, anyway, Anywho. I I Thon, victim, sex positive feminist. Jesus, that was not what I was expecting. Oh, God. You know, you never know what you're going to get with us. It's one of those things where, like, if I'm going to rank the Legends actors, it's number one, all the Legends actors of color. Number two, uh, Maisie and Clay's new puppy, Colin. Number three, all the white actors. Fair enough. And Courtney is, of course, counted in the actors of color because she is an actor of color. And it was watching this episode where I was like, wow. Courtney, Meza, and Tala really fucking carry this show, don't they? And when they're not there, you're kind of like, I'm falling asleep here, guys. It's one of those things where I'm glad we sort of brought up Night Vale because, like, I was actually thinking about this. Doom Patrol, Night Vale, Doom Patrol, and Legends all kind of come from the weird family, right? But Legends is the monster kid that isn't that weird. Legends is more, well, th- it's, it's interesting that you say that because, like, Legends is weird in a very comic book pulp kind of way. Yeah. Like, we'll see with this season because this season it might go a little more grimdark because they're going to be dealing with hell, but who fucking knows? But overall, like, Night Vale is a very sort of grim, uh, I mean, it has its, obviously it has its really comedic moments, but even its comedic moments are, like, sort of... So you did a whole episode mind. about an alien invasion that's actually about someone dealing with the death of, like, I think an abusive parent, where I'm like, I yes. wanted to laugh like, at that. I, but I wanted to laugh. Yes. I mean, that was also the thing where, like, Nightfall got harder to keep up with for me because I stopped just yeah. having the time to read transcripts. Um, and yeah. it's one of those shows where I liked listening to it, but I, I have, I'm deaf in one ear and I have audio processing issues on top of that. So if I zone out for like five fucking seconds, it's not exactly a show where you come in and go, oh yeah, it's fine. I, I can totally fill in what happened in the gaps here. But well, have you seen like, those Bernie Sanders? Oh, please. The Bernie Sanders memes that go, I am once again interrupting you in the middle of what you said because I did not hear you properly the first time. I am once again understanding what you said because I have finally processed it. I am once again explaining to you that I am not mocking you. <laughs> I am once again asking, are you mad at me? But like, okay, so here's the thing is I don't, I listen, I don't want to talk. I can't, I will get, I am, I can't we do are, this. Please, on the list of things we're trying not to talk about. I'm, when I, I, uh, when I tell you that, like, when I told Rachel I started drinking coffee at seven and she was like, wait, I'm sorry. So you were like, because of all the other things I've told her, she's like, okay, so you were sitting at the table with your coffee and your newspaper when you were how old? And like, I, have been doing this. I have been following politics for longer than I think any human being should be following politics. But once that itch gets under your skin, it never really goes away. And primaries are a fucking hell slog. And, and, and if any other country did this, we would come in and we would shut the whole thing down and install a fucking, a, a fucking puppet dictator. Like, we can't... Guys! You look like twats! So- you look like I mean, just watching, <laughs> watch. I, this is a fucking nightmare. But like, I mean, like, and Bernie Sanders won in Iowa, and it's amazing. But the clusterfuck that happened to get him there is terrible. 
but I am looking forward to when he sweeps Super Tuesday and we can put all of this behind us. I put that energy out into the universe. Anyway, I can't talk about this anymore. I will literally die from stress. It's been a long week. Um, That's true. This episode was not the most stressful part of my week, which is, I guess, a big plus in its favor. Um, But there were moments where, like, there were moments where I was looking at it and I was like, huh. This is a scene that makes me feel uncomfortable, but I'm not sure how to articulate why. And then I would talk about it with Rachel afterwards, like we always do. And then I went, oh, here's the really specific reason why it makes me uncomfortable that I am then going to have to talk around because it is so emotionally upsetting that I literally can't put my finger directly on it lest it strike me down. So this is going to be a fun season for me if those themes kind of keep. You'll never catch us alive, Philip. Never take me alive, fuckers. But like, yeah, it's one yeah, of those I, things. Yeah, you're the Tala fan, so you're like this Tala super fan. So I want you to kind of take the lead on this one and talk about mm-hmm. like the difference between this Zari and our Zari and her family relationship. Yeah. Okay. So let's actually open with Zari. And and right before we do, I just want to say one other thing, which is that I don't understand why Brandon Rath is out here being a fucking centrist when his home state is on goddamn fire. I don't understand when Iowans are like this. I heard Mitt Romney's speech. And you know what he says in it? He's like, I voted 80% of the time with Donald Trump, but I couldn't do it this time. And I'm like, I hope you fucking eat shit and die. Like, I, that doesn't fix- make me feel any better. And also, again, you think 47% of the country is freeloading pores. Have we forgotten that? We've forgotten that. It was like six years ago. And it's one of those things shouldn't. where I'm like, me at Pensacon, just like, hey, Nick Zano, my question is hold up your phone. Thank you. Siri, text Brandon Routh. Listen to me, you centrist fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and like, he's just and holding I- his phone out completely <laughs> unaware because he's an idiot. <laughs> I just and I'm sure and I mean like listen I don't have the emotional energy to I appreciate like I think that Brandon does it because he's like just fun to, like a nice dude and that's well, great yeah but that's not enough when it comes to politics and you have to be really careful because when you when you assume people are as nice and selfless and willing to learn from their capabilities as you might be or you might think that people should be um it doesn't always go well in politics one might say come on d it goes like shit yeah uh it's up it goes it goes big titty up um also siri i need you to text brandon again if you think superman is jesus then why are you america's most beloved superman actor Circumcised. No further questions. Send. Shit, Jesus. It's fine. I clarified with my other Iowan, who essentially talks exactly like Brandon, with especially the mitten thing. Where I'm like, it's really straight. Like, I don't want to think you're all one hive mind, but you're not doing anything to prove to me that you aren't. Um, gay Iowans who are out there, though, you're a treasure, and I'm so sorry. Not you guys. LGBT Iowans, we are with you. Anyway, the reason I I mentioned my Iowan and Iowans all having one uh, brain cell is because I asked my the Iowan I know personally. I'm like, most guys in Iowa are circumcised, right? And he's like, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I was like, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your service. I think I even told him. 
I think I was like, yeah, I'm talking about Brandon Routh being Superman to people and I just need your clarification. You know his, could you call his mom? I feel like someone in your family must know his family. It's got to be like a six degrees of separation thing because again, there's only so many people in Iowa. Like when his brother told me when I was, he's like, you need to switch around the percentage of people and cows. It's 95% cows. Yeah, that does sound about right. Anyway, now they both live in a fucking gay old San Francisco. Where I'm like, do you know? Do you know? I hope you know. Do you know? Should I tell you? Um, I mean... So, Zari 2.0. Zari. Zari 2.0. I want to open this statement by saying, the way Tala has been saying, like, well, I didn't really like Zari at first, or I think people are going to hate her. You, and then they'll love her. You would think Zari Tarazi comes into the fucking episode fucking war criminal. like lighting a dog on fire. You would think yeah. Zari Tarazi comes in and she's wearing a t-shirt with like Ann Coulter's face on it. He's just is a fucking delight. There is not because like even when we meet her, even in the first time we meet her, you're like, oh, she's really smart. She's in charge of herself. She's clever. Yeah. And like, this is coming from people who work in social media and have had to, like, I've had freelance jobs at like literal influencer agencies. And like, yeah, some influence, I'm not saying influencers as a whole are like great or not great, but it is a formula and it is a business. And the reason it can sometimes be so homogenized is because like with, you know, fast food, which is a business, when you see that people like something, you sell them that. And the way that Facebook and Google have eaten up the ad market means that yeah. it's like you can't there's not really a, a lot of room in the influencer business to do anything outside of what is sort of algorithmically determined by these two very specific mm-hmm. companies. You don't really have the there's no like indie influencer company like that's not like a thing like you can't. So there's not really a lot of room to take risks or experiment with what might reach a larger audience um at least not in terms of like broad influencing micro influencing becomes you have a little more flex room but even then it kind of is like the the song the the tune changes but the words remain the same um that all being said it was and it's like i knew that i knew that even though she she literally said it when we asked her when we went to a con and seemed so worried about it. And we were like, no, no. Like, we, I just remember having to, like, us both being like, no, no. We think, like, we like, she's, you're fine. Are, are you okay? Do you want to talk about this? Uh, I just remember going to um, that one specifically and also being like, like, no, we don't want spoilers. We just wanted to tell you that we love what you do and we will continue to love oh, you no matter yeah, who I'm you're like, playing. No, you don't know. It, it's fine. We're literally just, are you okay? Do you need to talk to somebody? I'm a little worried. Because, like, do you I want me to rush? Is, because. Do you want me to rush the stage yeah. and throw a chair at Nixano? Because I'll do it. I'll do whatever you ask, Queen. I'll totally do it. And I, in fact, I'll do it for free. But like, in fact, listen, I'll do it now. It's... In fact, well, in fact, let's just let's just right. cover our bases and do it now. <laughs> but it is something where I was like, I knew this is going to be the inevitable result. Is all of this hand wringing and panic was going to be over this incredibly fun and vibrant character because that is just how we treat women, women. in women in general but especially like women in like quote-unquote nerd properties where it's like the second that they're in any way you know image obsessed or self-absorbed or like anything other than like 
you know, one of three acceptable female archetypes. Um, they are flayed, salted, and dragged through the streets. And I, I knew it was going to be this character I really appreciated that maybe some people were going to have really stupid opinions about. But one, I'll say this, I haven't seen a lot of people having stupid opinions about it. So I'm glad that, I mean, I think Legends is partially a smaller fandom, so this might help somewhat. So I think people are I mean, if people are, people are being like, stupid on Reddit, that's that's Reddit. It's legally their job. Count. If someone has a good take about Legends like, on Reddit, they're literally, they're literally Reddit. arrested. So if somebody has a good like, take about Legends on Reddit, they're arrested and they're sent to Gitmo. That's true. That that's like, fact. Someone, Bill Summer told me that himself. Area 51, Jesus. Area 51 steals them out of their bed and, like, conducts experiments on them. But it's that thing where it's like, I knew she was going to be a character I really liked because generally speaking, number one, I make a point of loving most, if not all of these female characters out of spite. And two, Mm -hmm. because you know what? Having three approved archetypes of female characters and nerd properties is so fucking goddamn boring. So it is nice to see someone in this kind of show who is basically like Marina Diamandis with a dragon. Like, that's great. That's cool. I mean, Hell, I felt yeah. immediate kinship with her. I knew you would, um, and I think that's another reason why I like it, because I was like, I knew yeah. this was going to be a version of Zara you'd really, really like. Oh, thank you. I love you. I love you, too. And I mean, um, like, I'm glad I was right. <laughs> Gotta say. It's, it's one of those things where, like, she is so, like, there's so much of the Zari we know, it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't, I know that every time Phil Clemmer says something, the opposite will happen. I just thought it was very funny that he was like, well, Nate can go find Zari, but he might not like what he finds. And Nate, this episode, Zari was like, you're kind of weird. And Nate getting down on one knee. I love you. <laughs> yeah. Nate, then, then, then that's the thing is like, here's the thing about it. Like Italian men want women who are like, alt- her, who are their mothers, but their moms are not necessarily, their moms are like, yes, obviously they're going to be like, my son never did anything wrong, et cetera, et cetera. But they can also very much be like, when they're in a mood, they can be like, you stupid, no good fucking, you, you're a goddamn fucking mess, et cetera, et cetera. And they can have like loud shouting matches where they call their son an idiot. They just immediately apologize for it afterwards. So I think Zari being like, you're kind of weird, still did strike. He did not, he needs to be nagged at least a little bit. I think it's a thing for him. Um, it's absolutely a thing. Somebody pointed out, they're like, well, Nate swallowed that universal translator, so shouldn't they weren't speaking Arabic, they were speaking Farsi. So shouldn't he know Farsi? And I'm like, guess what? In when we first met Nate, he said that he was fluent in six languages. One of them was Japanese, one of them was French. Last season, Nate was in France. And this is again, remember, even if he hadn't been fluent in French to begin with, he had swallowed the translator. No, no French here. I'm traveling. Nate is, Nate Nate is Bill's active himbo. It's it's a kink, you guys. It's Isn't a that thing too? Where I'm like, if I said to Phil, "Hey, um, do you remember the Universal translators you made sure they all sort of had as like a hand wave thing in season one?" He would go, "The what?" Like, well, no, yeah, they don't actually. Remember. With the Rasputin episode, they're like, "Well, why is he speaking English?" And the director goes, "Well, you told me that was like." temporary time language display shot where i'm like oh so we changed that okay yeah which honestly <laughs> got, the universal got me again phil makes more. like you might as well just do the 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 babel fish thing and just sort of fucking let it be why do that to yourself um 
That does remind me, though, like, in terms of things that are kind of sort of plot holes. It's like, remember how the whole thing with, like, Amaya is that eventually she'd be, like, out. Like, it's like her timeline and Nate's timeline didn't match up and she needed to do things at this point in time and he wasn't there. And yeah. Like, Zari is, tech, like, from the future. So if she and Nate remain a couple, isn't that also going to destabilize the timeline? Well, we don't know because Nate kind of vanishes because he gets taken on the wave rider. I don't know. Nate doesn't have any famous grandchildren that we know of yet. I mean, yes. I. I mean, I'm just. I. I mean, it's admittedly me being a little bit of a pedant for like playfulness. No, sake, I mean you're because, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely correct. Realistically speaking, but, yes, I know on a narrative level, it's more poignant for it to be like a Maya needs to be like the past has to happen. I can, you know, you could also argue that, like, yeah, the future might technically, quote unquote, be a little easier to manipulate because it remains in flux. But at the same time, um, I would assume that in most time travel shows, you would have to have an interpretation of time as a flat circle, uh, because otherwise, that none of the, you, know, that doesn't, then none of this, then then the whole goddamn charade comes falling the fuck apart. So. Listen, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again, and I cannot stress this enough. You are leaving Fuck you. it. Fuck you. From Phil Clemmer to us. Fuck, Fuck you. you. Also, <laughs> one of the difficult things about having had that hiatus with fucking Arrow is that now um, all the photos we get are going to be two weeks ahead. So I'm constantly just sitting here, like, now we have the photos for the French Revolution episode, where I think Courtney is going to actually be playing Marie Antoinette, where I'm like, oh, yes, the Darks, descendants of fucking German aristocrats? What are they, my boss? I um, mean, I guess. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, well, that's a little strange. I won't lie to you. But it's also one of those things where I'm like, you know that Marie Antoinette was like a child. And I'm not saying Courtney Ford looks old because she yeah, doesn't. Having, having, but imagine yeah, having to look like a teenager forever. And that is something where I think a lot of, and because I, you and I have bitched about how I'm like, not that Marie Antoinette was like, ooh, ooh, unproblematic, pure, small, whatever the fuck. But at the same time, I'm like, this was, you know, people sort of hype her up as the, the, the face of the, the, excesses of the french aristocracy because she's a woman meanwhile her husband louis the whatever who was like more 16. directly whatever um the problem you know like more directly the fucking problem than this like 17 year old baby um yeah you know fuck you guys is what i'm saying uh and fuck legends for making but it's also one of those things where like you know and next week, Mick is going to make out with a woman. And I'm like, wow, after all these years of Mick and me, of uh, Dominic and Maisie having all this chemistry, you're like, let's give him girl Nate a white love interest. Where I'm like, but I keep having to be like, we will burn that fridge when we get to it. One of those things where I'm also like, I don't think she's going to remain around longer than one or two episodes. I mean, I hope not. And I don't mean she's that. She's not in recurring, but that could mean thing. anything. Yeah. I mean, I think I but will like, like her. But... Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. I'm probably not going to love her. Yeah, because one of the things I talked to you about with this episode was like, you kind of we're hitting that point where we've done the carousel of so many different characters and so many different people have left in bits and pieces that I'm getting kind of. There are certain characters where nothing new or interesting is currently happening with their narrative, so they're 
like as much as it's like they're reliable they're not very interesting to watch and on another level you have characters whose narratives were like completely fucking sucker punched like i said in last episode where the whole thing with mona becoming rebecca silver should have taken the whole fucking season instead of five minutes at the end of it but like i personally choose to believe that's not uh marie antoinette that's nora escalating the situation until she gets she's just gonna do horrible things until she gets mona back Next week, yes. and I'm that would be there. That would Franz Ferdinand. Where's my wife? Yes, that would be fun. I'm not gonna lie, but yeah, I agree with you where I'm like, it's not that I don't think it's interesting. Like, it, it's just I'm like, you guys didn't realize that like Marie Antoinette was like a pretty much a child. Like, you didn't think of it that way. You just whatever. Fuck you guys. But we're hitting that point where it's like I don't, you know, the plot I'm interested in seeing with Mick is not him getting a wife and a daughter in any way shape or form i can't stress how little i want to see that and some of those are like for personal traumatic reasons and some of them are just because i'm bored and that's dumb um i mean i'm, that, I'm like, looking that's just forward to Mick having like, a daughter but it's one of those things where again i mean like dominic is very talented but he's mick is not what carries this show and kate like it's just one of those things where like you know think about how Tala and Maisie now have both gone through complete character transformations. And there is, you know, kind of a huge racial element to that. We're like, no, you would never do that to Katie. And like, is part of that maybe because Katie doesn't have the range as an actor to, you know, change her character completely? I mean, yeah, definitely. But it's it's also one of those things where it's like... You also don't want it to be... Oh, you first. You have to also look at the fact that, like, that there are reasons that you could have kept. Well, again, Zarya, I'm kind of lenient with because, again, the Black Adam movie, etc. Um, it's just that seems things. to have been more of like a copyright thing than anything yeah. else. I just, but oh, another fucking. It's it's idea. like it's like when those it's like when I teach queering comics every year, and the kids one year said, "Well, they couldn't make Sheath Cannon in Voltron because um, you can't air oh, gay stuff don't, in China." Don't. Don't and I don't, was like, don't, don't, please! I'm fu- I'm literally begging you on my hands and fucking knees. I can't do it I, again. I'm not strong enough. And please. I told them, I was like, you really have to consider who is telling you this. Who benefits from you thinking this? That is, that is. I mean, not to go like off on a tangent, but we might as yeah, well. Please. I'm already here. Um, yeah, it's that thing where it's like you have to get. You know, this is something where, I mean, I've been running into this even just in terms of debates this week about the thing I refused to talk about because it was too stressful, where it's like, you can't concede before negotiations have already even begun. If you go in there with the assumption of this is already too controversial and they'll never do it, then it's never going to get done. You can't show weakness. You can't assume that the other side's positions are immutable, immovable, and all-powerful. You have to be like, no, fuck this um i'm gonna make it fucking happen or at the very least i'm gonna make them acknowledge that that's a thing that they should have or could have done um like oscar isaac screaming into the megaphone during the entirety of the episode nine press tour about how finpo should have been canon like that shit where it's like no did he make it canon no did he loudly consistently proclaim that it should have been and that everyone who didn't make it happen and could have was a fucking coward absolutely that's not nothing you don't concede i think some might call that it wasn't, that wasn't heroism. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, yes, I mean, obviously all of you, you know, all of these gay teens don't have to be Oscar Isaac with a megaphone and and I would hope aren't. But, you know, it's that thing where it's like you can 
ask for more. And I think my thing is the thing I want to go back to where it's like, yeah, Katie probably doesn't have the range to play like a different version of Sarah or even just a different character entirely. But we also kind of have to be capable, ca uh, not capable. We also have to be careful of like, sort of that, like, we don't want to like, it's putting women like, of color on a pedestal. Well, yes, but also I, it, kind of, but it's like, I don't want to be like, they're so talented that it doesn't matter if they're playing 20 yeah, different no. characters. They're so good at it. It's like, it doesn't matter. It's great that they can pull it off. But the issue is that their character arcs and narratives are considered more disposable and interchangeable, that they can just play a bunch of different characters or versions of a character. And it's not really like, it's, it's fine. And it's not a big deal in a way that it just wouldn't happen with a white actress or an actor. So stuff like that is important to keep in mind. Great that they're pulling it off, but it's also like kind of fucked that this is just a thing that is consistently happening to so many characters of color on the DCTV and I mean, the CW like, as a whole. Let me just remind everybody, I think when Brandon and Courtney leave, I will post this on my public, but it's literally just that photo of Brian David Gilbert where he says, you know, well, but what's, what can we possibly talk about at E3? And it just says, um, the fucking game crunch. And he goes, well, we don't need to talk about that and lights it on fire. And that's me with the Legends of Tomorrow fandom when they were complaining about Brandon and Courtney leaving. But it just says revolving door for characters of color. And they just light it on fire. And let it burn. And it is, you know, it's that thing where it's like, I can, I can almost sort of... I'm not excusing it, but it, I get that people are like, well, they're leaving forever. But one, I don't think that's the case. And two, they're not. So did Franz. You, yes. But like, and Franz did. I mean, I'd love if, please come back. So did Missy Sierra. Sierra. And that's the please thing is they left. They left. And there wasn't the same level of sort of like rage or anger, even though I can. I don't want to say I understand it with Kendra, but admittedly that was season one. The fan base was much smaller and everyone's roles were a little yeah. less entrenched. But like by the time that Franz left, Jax was very firmly cemented as like the moral heart of the fucking team. So the fact that there wasn't I mean, I the same level Franz of outcry. Baby, but yeah. Look at me. I had a baby. You know? Yeah. Like it's just one of those Who things where it's like, I'm not saying you can't be upset about the Brandon and Courtney leaving thing. Because, like, I'm actually kind of angry about Courtney leaving. Like, whatever, Brandon. But, like, I really love Nora. I think I, I'm, I'm going to miss her more than, frankly, I'm going to miss Ray Because Ray is a character where it's, like, I don't like to see characters die. That always makes me really sad and upset. But at the same time, he's a character where I'm, like, he could leave the show, retire and be happy and go do something else. Mm -hmm. You could put him on a bus. And I would be fine with Tombstone. that. Because at this point, we've kind of done everything with him yep but nora i i thought there would have been a ton of more fun stuff they could have done but i also understand why they wouldn't just like keep one of them on but that is kind of a thing where i'm like but no you're gonna I, keep I, one know. of them on keep courtney yeah yeah like genuinely where it's like listen i don't care as much like we and i don't mean i don't care because i really love ray I, there's probably been episodes of this podcast where i've talked at length about how great i think ray as a character is but i also think at this point he's sort of we're hitting that point where he's been around long enough that he's treading the same narrative waters that he's been treading for a couple of seasons now and that gets kind of boring to watch and the problem is is that 
the characters that have been around since season one, which are at this point Katie, Mick, and Brandon, um, well, the actors, are like, their characters are all kind of in a rut narratively. Um, and they're just not, like, I love that Sarah, I mean, on one level, I really love that Sarah and Ava's relationship is comfortable and consistent and stable because mm-hmm. it's nice to have a healthy, long-term sapphic relationship on tv and that is really important and good but it's also like i would like to see sarah and ava take new turns with their characters even if their relationship remained like committed and stable um i think you can do both and you know it's that thing where it's like the actors of color and the characters of color on this show are not their narratives are being underexplored reset at random and their sort of their connections and relationships to one another and other cast members are being underutilized in ways that sort of mean that when Maisie's not, you know, when Maisie's not there, you feel that absence a lot because you're like, oh, wow, the other narratives on the show right now are just not that interesting. It's not as it's interesting not as... as they could be without Maisie, basically. Yeah. And it's also like interesting, like in a really sad way where it's like, oh god, that's really hard for me to touch. Zara and Berhad are are really interesting, but again, it's one of those things where like they were the C plot this week. And every time they were on, I was like, we need more. Or it would have been different. And then it went back to like, do we want to talk about uh John Constantine has sex with a woman, she explodes? We'll get to that in a sec because i do actually want to say because right i do cause, yeah because bayrod and zari being the z plot is like c plot um is it's that thing where it's like no these connections can and do exist you have it with this with these siblings and their dynamic but it's the writer's choice to underutilize them so it effectively comes out to be the same in terms of not having them at all because they might exist but you're not really doing a lot with them so it just falls flat and that's completely on you because the actors in question have a ton of chemistry and the relationship between the siblings narratively is really interesting and hopefully it will be explored more but to make it the c plot in the episode introducing zari back did feel kind of like a weird choice you know you know you know how to play chess right sort of all right, and I know mentioning a smart people thing like chess during a Legends of a podcast talking about DC's Legends of Tomorrow could be considered violence, but hear me out. This very much felt like an episode where, because we know that Charlie is kind of going to be central to the plot, and Charlie and John are central to each other's plots, and Astra is central to that, and we're sort of waiting for those building blocks to click into place. It feels like we took like forty-four minutes. Because chess is all about moving certain pieces, certain places, so that later they'll be useful, right? It feels like we took 44 minutes to move two pieces. We got John and Astra established. We have established that John's not giving up on Astra, and Zarya's on the wave rider. And that's sometimes necessary in a narrative, but the key to not making it a total, like, exhausting slog, even if it is a necessary one, is to sort of make all of the other ancillary pieces be doing something interesting with their time. Because, yeah, a lot of it is, like, I will agree that hopefully the next couple of episodes will pay off on all of the setup, which is an amazing thing I never thought I'd say about a Legends episode. But, um, and I could be proven wrong yet, but having an episode that... 
I mean, I guess having an episode that is about sort of putting the pieces into place can wasn't really handled well because you weren't like there wasn't anything else interesting going on aside from like the moving of pieces into place. Well, because everybody else who's in this episode, Sarah, Ava, Mick, Ray, um, they just sort of were there and nothing actually happens to or, or with them. Like, I guess you can sort of say something happened with Nate and that he's involved with Zari. And if, what happened to Nate is that he is now being fought over by two um, very horny siblings. But it's one of those things where, like, yeah, only, only a few things happened to a few characters this episode and nobody really... They did that thing again where, like, like they had Sarah flirt with a dude where I was like, huh. I mean, like, she was she was talented, and it was interesting, and honestly, the guy that played Bugsy was, like, kind of hot. I was feeling it. I was actually feeling yeah, that he quite was, a bit. Yeah. But he was criminally underused. Yeah. No pun intended. And that's a shame, because it, it's the same problem that we were talking about last time, where it's like, you have a... And Bugsy Siegel while not maybe Rasputin levels of interesting, was still pretty interesting. And like, listen, as an Italian-American whose family actually was in the mob, I- I'm a cop, freeze. You're under arrest. I I have a soft spot for mafia stories, which is why I really love the part five discourse of actually uh, being interested in this part is problematic because you're glorifying the mob. And By the way, Ari means part five of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh God, I'm sorry. I said I would rap. I I tried really hard, but like we got in the mob movies and listen, I got it. But like, (laughs) but that's what I'm just like, okay, you know what? One, fuck you guys. Two, um, do you want to tell that to my grandmother whose favorite movies are The Godfather parts one and two? And like three, there could have been a lot of fun done with Bugsy Siegel, especially because his death was such a clusterfuck. And like, it would have been a really, like, it's like you had another interesting historical character who had events that you totally could have mined, but you didn't. And also, you know, like you said, like nothing really happened to the characters we spent the most time with episode wise, which is like, if you're going to put pawns into place and you're not going to make other people do anything interesting, at least make the pawns be like the A plot. Like you can't like, you know, it was such a weird bungling of priorities narratively that was just I understood. I understand it was kind of hamstrung by real life issues of like not having Maisie, but you guys had enough time to That's write a real around life issue that. I actually have. Yes, I mean, fair enough. But like, it's the thing where it's like you guys had enough time to write around that on account of having a like a twenty-year fucking hiatus, where it's like, can we please get to the point where we're using our time effectively? I think maybe some of my frustration is it's like you come back after six months, and this is what I get. Like, you think it would be can a little please- bit better. Can we please work on some basic time management skills, people? Yeah, like anything. Christ. And like, also, can I just say, even though, I mean, the the Ray, let's talk about the Ray police plot really quickly. Because like, they show up and the uh, dame who's going to die. I don't even remember her name. Um, It doesn't matter because anyone who sleeps with John Constantine that isn't a main character on this show probably dies. And we'll, unless, we'll get unless they're Des, I'm kind of glad that it. We can get into that because we can contrast this because like Desmond actually lived, yes. so that's actually something yes. we're going to give them in their favor when they're like, "Well, if it's Het, who cares?" Or I'm like, "Well, 
fair. But all right, um, you win this round, but I hate you. It's one of those things where, like, she the second that Ray is like, "Oh, well, thank you for calling me a police officer." I'm like, "Oh, I'm a little uncomfortable, but I kind of think they're making a they're going to make a point out of this." And and they do essentially. They find out Ray is like, well, I thought you were one of the good cops. And he's like, there are no good cops in L.A. Like, did you ever hear the story about the good cop in L.A.? It doesn't end well. I'm like, was that a reference to L.A. Noir? But um, and then at the end of the episode where he says to John, like, you're a good guy. I'm glad to know good guys are out there where I'm like, listen, you know what? In today's hypersaturated police media world, I cannot believe Legends of Tomorrow is technically more woke than Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I don't know how this happened. I mean, it, but... The thing is, it's not the the standards for media that deals with police officers on an American television network is so goddamn low that you know what? I am going to take this as a, a cab victory because, like, we, I mean, the level of propaganda that goes on in cop shows is just fucking insane. I don't even it's have. Actually... I don't. I could. We could do that well, all day. I don't. Actually the most insidious cop show because it, i mean i'm not gonna say it yeah, is. you know law and order is like your parents cop show and you know that this is kind of is, law and order has it been around where, yeah where it appeals to young people and it specifically has a message that cops are your friends i'll see andy like cops in hell. care about like the idea yeah. that cops care about issues, issues of, of like systemic justice. issues like you know, stop and frisk or racial profiling or fucking ice is so ice baby horrible. Law and order has done a lot to overall erode people's understanding of how the justice system works, has made people sort of view people who are quite frankly victims of being arrested by the cops in like 95% of cases. Um, you know, people who aren't even really criminals, they're just fucking victims of mm -hmm. being just stopped by a cop um that you know so people like that whole thing where it's like i want a lawyer is shorthand for i'm guilty as shit in tv even though it's like not at all in real life hey listen um, if you're listening to this podcast and you are ever arrested you do not have to say a thing you have a right to a lawyer and but however once you say i'm not saying anything i want a lawyer you can't say anything because they're going to try to get you to talk by being like how are you doing and stuff like that nothing no water if they no keep, if they offer you anything to eat or drink don't do it they can and have and will use your dna to try to prove that you've done something um they just has, want to like, solve cases because it makes them feel good they don't care if you did it or not they just want the accommodations and to trick people into thinking they do things correctly there's this idea of like generally speaking everyone's guilty of something so might as well which is a terrible attitude to have but you know now you know what you're dealing with and if, they, that, and if they're taking a long time and they're not you can say I want a lawyer but that's all you can say that's it like don't don't you can say yeah, am I being detained be I want a lawyer am I yeah. being and it's that thing where am I being detained like it's that thing where it's like you can't and so many people don't know that or if they're like aware it's kind of a reality they're like well i'm never gonna have to use that or there's that there's that subconscious thing of well that's what guilty people on tv do and that's the that's the point of writing it that way 
so that you don't so that you think oh people who ask for a lawyer and people who don't talk to the cops are doing something wrong when it doesn't work like that has never worked like that and you can't you, you gotta you, you gotta my dude cops are not your friends you should not trust cops um so the the bar is incredibly and if low you're like, so and if you're out here like i'm related to a cop especially them all cops are bastards, especially um, whatever bastard cop you're related to. Listen, it's so fucking horrible. Um, and I just get so, and it's like I say this as somebody who like has read three separate fucking books about the history of like cop shows on TV. Um, and who likes the idea of most detective stories? Sometimes they're not as good as I want them to be, but the idea is there. And I do love, you know, stuff like the Night's Watch, Discworld books and things like that. So I say this from a place of also being interested in these kind of narratives. They are fundamentally narratives and you have to recognize that they are propaganda. They are trying to sell you an image of something that is fundamentally not true and incredibly fucking dangerous. So um, yeah, if there's any takeaway from the Bugsy Siegel part of this episode is that cops are not your friends. Um, and I'm glad that even Ray Palmer knows that, and then have him be proven wrong because Ray is the sort of character, like he's the you know he's a he's a white male from Iowa. He's not gonna, you know, he's somebody who the cops would not treat badly. But at the end of the episode, Ray's like, all right, you know what? Fair enough. Fuck cops. I will say like that's good. Gets, the fact that he manages to pull a steering wheel out of a car. I mean, and that's one of those things with Ray where I'm like, I wish this show had way more reminders of kind of how casually strong and huge Ray is. Like how last season he yes. literally broke a phone in half and then he like punched a guy unconscious instantly. Where I'm like, we're running out of time. I need more, I need more instances of Ray being enormous. Agreed. I need um, more moments of him being large. God. But um Yeah, is there this is genuinely one I'm tired and I have work tomorrow and two we're doing the birds of prey review so I'm almost like trying to save all of my brain having ability here let is me there see anything else started. you super want to cover um well there is stuff I want to cover like let's talk a bit more about John Constantine and because okay. like I guess I guess we talked about one plot I guess let me talk about our uh, Zari a little more let's talk about the actual plots of this show just a little more because, you know, we said, okay, they spent this whole episode moving people around. But let me talk about how they did that. I'm um, going to let you do that. With Zari, with Zari, it's sort of one of those things where, like, as the episode goes on, you kind of realize that she is sort of this Mary-Kate, Ashley kind of child star character where her parents have essentially started clinging to Bayrod because they didn't really get to raise her. And so they don't really feel very close to her. And that's, of course, extremely sad because, like, she did this for them. She changed her entire world for them. And, like, I'm not saying they should feel bad. And I'm not saying they're, like, the Lance parents and that they're purposefully neglectful or pitting her and um, Bayrod together because it's a completely different situation. And it's also one of those things where, like, you could tell Zari, like, if you change your future and your family is alive and safe, you're going to be, like, a literal supervillain. And she would still do it. Um. And there's this thing that Ari always says, which is that magic is taking out your liver and expecting not to get it back. And that's what happened. She did make a, that's magic. She made a huge sacrifice for a greater good. And for this family, her family that loves each other and is very happy and does love her 
but just doesn't feel very close to her. And she is sort of on the outside looking in. But what's important, I think, or what would be important to Zari 1.0 or old Zari is that they're alive and that they're happy and that she can still technically, like she probably bought the house they live in. You know, she wants to take care of them. Is there a thing where I'm like, she is probably overjoyed. Like if Zari 1.0 could see this scenario, I think she would just be overjoyed that her family was like alive and well to be 100% honest. Like, I, I don't even, mm-hmm. you know, like, obviously might be sad about the whole thing that came up, but, like, what she, she got what she wanted. Sometimes it's very sad to get what you want. Exactly. You know, if we're gonna, if we already referenced the, a quote from The Last Unicorn, I'm gonna do it again. Like, at the end of the day, all of the unicorns get released back into the world. They're freed from the grasp of the Red Bull and King Haggard, but, like, Amalthea doesn't get to live happily ever after with Lear. But it was worth it because what she wanted to do, what her quest was, what she set out to do was accomplished. So, you know, same thing. It is essentially the same thing, honestly. I also just love that Nate always ends up like he has this look on his face whenever like Amaya comes back. And now when he sees Zari again, where I'm like, you always look like that because you end up leaving your girlfriends at the mall by accident. And when they manage to make their way home, you're just so happy because you're like, oh, my God, I thought you were lost forever. And they're like, no, you left me in the Bath and Body Works. You fucking idiot. I told you I was going to the Lush. And when I got to the parking lot, the car was gone and your phone was dead. I hate you. (laughs) He doesn't even do it to be mean. He's just kind of stupid. As we've established, being stupid is Phil's biggest biggest kink and he finds it extremely sexy. I mean, clearly. um, And it's one of those things where, like, I think as you mentioned, I really hope they play out a little bit more or at least make it ambiguous into like, is Behrad jealous of Zari Nate because he's in love with Nate or is it just like a bro code thing? Because if it's a bro code thing, I don't care in the slightest. If you make it ambiguous or honestly outright make him jealous, uh, the chef's kiss. Yeah, it's that thing where it's like, because I was thinking about that because that was the thing I was bitching to you about last night because I was like, that's going to be so boring and I'm going to hate it so much. But I will say, you know, I might always, I, I'm wary to trust because I've been burned so many times by so many shows. But I will say that, like, because Legends has been so cool with sort of romantic interpretations of Ray and Nate, even if it was never outright, they never really did anything to detract from it. They never did. They never pulled yeah. a Destiel at any point with Steel Adam. So... My hope is that even if it's not outright explicitly stated that he's jealous because he's in love with Nate and to him, it's like his sister taking one more thing from him and so on and so forth. Even if it's not like outright explicit, it would be nice to even just have it implied that it's not like some sort of you can't take my sister, dude. I thought we were buddies thing, but like because he's jealous, but you're not, you know, like he's not jealous because of you know the reasons you th- you know like subtle that would be fine that would be enough it you know again well, i don't want it to be like yeah something that's really interesting is that zari is super super she's jealous of bayrod and she's also very hurt i don't think she really understands why he doesn't like her i think she really wants him to and i think part of her has always kind of hoped that like maybe he would join her in this or like be famous with her or, like, be sort of a character in her videos. And he's 
so clearly shied away from that that it just kind of makes her feel and then her parents are very much like oh we'll have school and she's like i built a business by myself i fired my agent i built this from the ground fucking up but it's like she also did this sort of without them so they don't really know how to talk to her about it and she's just like that's why she's so sort of eager to tell on Bayrod because she wants to be because I'm like, even if you told on him, your parents would probably be like, wow, it's so cool that you're a superhero. And you just get angrier. So I'm really yeah. excited to see how their relationship develops. Because I think something really beautiful could happen here. Especially because sort of the crux of this episode is John going down to hell. Which I thought he was going to do to get back the woman. He, again, blew up. Fucking, and then and yet, you exploded. You really need to stop doing that. But instead, he tells Astro, like, I'm not giving up on you. And then Ray, when he's back vibrating at a fucking frequency only dogs can hear, saying, You like Krabby Patties or whatever. That was the face. That was the expression. Yes. And John has never. It's that thing where it's like, Yeah, with John, I mean, I just want to say, because I'm, I'm tired and I don't, I, I agree with everything, everything you said about Zara and Bayrod. I'm too tired to go into it further. But like, yeah, this is definitely something I really want to, I, per, I have a personal interest in seeing this play out well, so I really want it to go well. Um, and I think it's, int- I'm just, I'm really glad, one quick thing is I'm really glad Legends was very much from the start, like, neither of them are wrong, but also neither exactly. of them are right. Like, they're like both being really, like, yeah, there's some things they both need to work on. It's not, is a bitch and her brother has to make her, like, chill and stuff. Like, it's more, it's like, they're both, they're hurt, and so they're hurting each other and that's good I'll, you know what i'll take it that's a good start but yeah um I, I i know we pointed out last night but i am just gonna say again i'm just i'm i understand why narratively it's become really easy to get in and out of hell because like obviously if 90 percent of your season's plot is going to happen there it can't be a whole goddamn ordeal to get there every single fucking time but i am incredibly amused by the fact that you we know are the already, wave rider like, only has one bathroom can we just yes. use Hell's... Astra, yeah. can we also use your bathroom? It's really... <laughs> oh, second bathroom's in Hell. Second bathrooms are so difficult to make, though. I mean, like, how would you even put more plumbing into the Wave Rider? I feel like you'd have that problem of, like, that guy on Something Awful who tried to fucking <laughs> no. make a rock bathtub and uh, cut into the I-beams of his house. <laughs> Are you telling me that Legends is going to grow over house a bathroom? Because that needs to be... See, that's an episode... I, this I is exactly watch... what the episode should have been while we're waiting for Maisie to get back. Yes, I would have fucking loved if, like, they had accidentally Grover house the shit out of the Wave Rider. That would have been fucking amazing. But the problem with that is it would, in the real world, require them to completely destroy their sets. And you know we don't have money to build new ones. We just don't have the money to do grover house and that's that's kind of sad jesus you know why is art why is making art so goddamn expensive (laughs) art should be for the people (laughs) oh god i can't do this um but right yes okay do you want to talk about hell first um so are we age gapping astra and john because i'm gonna say i don't know why i said we i sure am oh that's what would have Here's what would have made this episode perfect I'm for me. Personally, it like eh, it's that thing where it's like, I'm not a fan of age gap, generally speaking, when they knew each other, like when they were younger, 
but it's also something where it's like I didn't really see John interacting with Astra as a child because I didn't watch yeah. any of like awesome. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't really it's not as bad as it could be. And it's not, I think, and my other big issue would be if it was an issue of, like, power dynamics and power Mm -hmm. imbalance. But, like, Astra is very clearly, like, in charge and not, it's not an issue of power imbalance. So I I think we're good. We'll see. But continue. I'm going to quote an ancient saying. um, If he dies, he dies. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, that's just how I feel about John Constantine literally all the fucking time. Uh, Ladies, if he dies, he dies. It's also, um, I just think it was actually really, really sweet for him to sort of just be like, you know what? Because, because of course that woman, the whole, the whole reason this woman had to die is because John needed to learn a lesson. John, I'm taking the form of a dead woman to teach you an important lesson. Christ. Um, yeah. Because he needed to, I guess, understand why Astra is sort of doing this. I don't understand why he couldn't have just asked. <laughs> but, you know, you know how it'd be. It'd just be like he's that. he's an idiot. Um, he is an Fundamentally, idiot. Fundamentally, because he's so um, dumb. I mean, I will say, actually, one of the highlights this episode, even if it didn't do a lot, is that every time the woman came around and was sort of flirting with Ray, or Ray, like, gave her money, John would be like, even though John hooks up with her, he was like, well, you know she's lying to you. You know she had you for a mark. You know you're yeah. an easy mark. You know she isn't actually, yeah. you know. Like, or... he's so fucking, he's like, well, I can pay attention to her, but you, I have to, I have to have an unrequited crush on you in peace, so can you not? Or like when Ray, he's talking about that, and Ray goes, well, you know, if I had, you know, if I felt the way about Nora that you do about Astra, she and I wouldn't be in a relationship. And John is like, I hate women so much. <laughs> Women are a poison. I've never, I've never known, spoken to, or interacted with a woman, and it's like, well, really, that 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 pile of dead bodies that is constantly you are constantly standing on would disagree. However, sure, maybe there's a pile of your dead love interests behind you, but you can't just assume that's a bad thing. thing. I mean, I have, I have probably brought this up, but it's one of those things where it's like, I am worried about Astra because women that john constantine exists near die like to the point where it's like i just we don't we don't those things where like especially because we saw astra sort of the person the person that was inside the the person that possessed the little boy john's friend astra had him tied up and she was like stepping on him where i was like okay phil you're the boss um but it was one like of those things that she was sort of lampshading. She's like, this is what happens to friends of John Constantine, where she's like very aware that this happened to her because of him. To be but fair, I'm it, wondering... it, it, it... Yeah, please continue. It's, it's like, even just, even just, I think I'm more tired of it and more wary because like the Hellblazer comics are always, always just it's just the it's just the silent hill for me it's always like this kind of thing because it's like literally the plot of so many goddamn hellblazer comics is like john meets woman or we meet we are introduced to john mourning over a woman that has died who he met and we're going to find out how they met and how he fucked her over in flashback 
and something horrible and supernatural is going to be involved in this fucking over of woman. Uh, woman dies, lather, rinse, repeat. Um, it's so exhausting, and I don't believe there's ever been a woman writing Hellblazer, but it is one of those things where I'm like, I would give my left eye teeth to see someone like a good female writer doing that because this is a character who like i don't even it's not even like done in like a actively malicious way but it's like so much the part and parcel of his stories that i just think a lot of writers who do it sort of adhere to that sort of motif of dead women following john constantine around so unquestioningly that it's fucking exhausting um and it would be nice to see somebody acknowledge that and like i'm just i want astra to make it out of this alive is what i'm saying because i worry because that doesn't tend to happen and you know i want to be optimistic and enthusiastic because she's a really good character but i can just see this because it's going to be that thing where it's like she's going to you know sacrifice herself to close the gates of hell so that all of the season problems are solved and i don't want that to be what happens but that's just kind of one of the obvious ways that that narrative could end and i don't want it to end that way but so i worry but they're 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 stu- like no, their back think... and forth in this episode was very good but anytime he's near a woman i'm just always like oh god like i'm bracing myself for impact well i mean i think we're, i'm very interested to see how the dynamic changes when charlie enters the picture because here's the thing i think we all know charlie and john are going to fuck i don't know if it's going to be anything beyond that but it's one of those things, especially because Maisie is like, this has been one of my favorite seasons to do where I'm like, okay, you're definitely going to be queer. Like, we're definitely getting queer confirmed, Charlie. Like, we have to. What else could she mean? Or I'm like, with Des, I feel like Legends writers know just enough that that veil of queerness, they're like, oh, we can't kill off a gay character. That's a horrible stereotype. So we have to sort of fix it. Yes. I mean, the woman and who they killed was where they just never mention that the character is gay. They're just like, we're just not going to kill them because we don't want to be known as the show that killed Kill two lesbians. characters for no Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. season two, oh, direct quote. Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing where it's like, at least like Legends is self-aware enough to know that the solution to that is to not kill them, not to not ever. I mean, I will say the woman, the disposable woman in this episode was bi, but like she was a white bi person and we've already got, I think, 700 of those on this show. So it was kind of like... And that's actually, technically, yeah, if you don't want to be known as the show that, like, kills off, if you have a lot of gay characters, that kind of changes because it's not like you just did this with the only representation. Yes, it does sort of make things different. So you have to just keep making more. Anyway, RIP and rest. Um, Once there was this kid who got into an accident, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. Um, But yeah, it, it... you know, I, 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 I want Astra to make it out of this is I think my, my hot take on, on this is like, I love, I, I, I am so delighted by the fact that she turned into a villain in the first place and became the character she is mm-hmm. now after kind of being like the helpless little girl MacGuffin bait for a little while. Like that is a hell of a fucking glow up. So mm-hmm. don't drop the fucking ball. Do not fuck me on this. I, I think is what I want to end this, this episode I think on. Is, it- is our motto as Legends Watchers. Actually, um, I will and say, every right time we're fucked on this. Right and before yet. we end the episode, I just want to say, um, Ava's little song, the fact that she did Poison was fucking hilarious. I only know Poison from when Turk did a dance to it on Scrubs. So, 
I came into this like, oh my god, that's the song Dark Dance too. You know, we all have our thing. And... Hard to take it seriously, yeah. It's yeah, it's that I mean, I am a sucker for like cutesy kind of like she's like white girl drunk. It's really cute. Like, no, it was like a really cute, fun moment where it's like nice to see Ava having like silly little moments like that. She deserves she deserves it, honestly. I'm I'm glad she's letting and I think Mick Rory personally is so happy that one person that he finally took out and told to let loose, like let loose sort of in their own way and didn't immediately like take a shot and then drape themselves over his lap. I think he was so happy. Yeah. It's this very, is the best very day of good. my life. It's the best day of his fucking life. Um, um, and so I guess I will end the episode with an ask that I got that I told you about, and I'm ready oh, to Jesus. end it. I'm ready oh, to Jesus. end it. Um, I'm sorry. I literally get because legends back i get i came home from work and like yeah. i'm checking when I, i'm checking my ask box when i'm at work but like tumblr on desktop doesn't register that you're checking your asks on mobile so when if you haven't been on all day you come home and you see how many things you've got and i have like 30 today where i was like okay like i don't mind it i love i love getting them but like i do get a lot so i'm trying to uh yeah, finding just... finding one specific one I really should have really bookmarked it. Okay, here we go. And and I think this is probably from a different person that sent the Anon last week because this one seems doesn't seem like their style at all. This is just a total stranger. Are you ready? Yes. It's kind of weird that y'all say Ramona is a child when she's playing a character who's the same age as her real age, but ship her with 40-year-olds. I know it's fictional versus real life, but it's still weird to call a 20-year-old a child and ship her with late 30s to 40-year-olds. This isn't meant to be rude. I just had a thought. And I want to take a moment to say, and what about it? And what about it? And that's, those are my thoughts. So I guess we'll see you next week. Good night.